0: On this episode, we're continuing our deep dive into the world of Harry Potter and discussing Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. There will be spoilers in spicy language, so if you haven't read this book or watched its film adoption, we'd hop on to your nearest Hungarian horntail
1: and fly off to another episode. Welcome back to Page Rage. Welcome back, everyone. Guys, uh, we're in the same city and the same house on this one. We're separated literally by a wall. (laughs) So if you hear a little echo, it's because we're loud. So sorry. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, let's get right into this week's episode we're going to take it way on back on the first thick Harry Potter book, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, which came out in July of 2000. (laughs) Oh my god. This is the fourth year for the big three, and as usual, they're shenanigans afoot and mischief to be managed. Harry is thrown into the Triwizard Tournament with three other competitors, one being Edward Cullen, and spoiler alert, we finally meet old Voldy live and in person. This is the first book where shit gets real and we are here for it. So, Ash, rage or rave? I
0: really wanted to be like Voldy was live and in color, but he really wasn't in color. He's in very muted gray tones, right? Well, this is definitely a a rave for me. I remember reading this as a kid and this was the first one that got really real, as we said. It's obviously the beginning of the darker of the book um, and it's obviously the biggest of the books as well. So, I remember just being so excited when I saw how hefty that that thing was cuz we didn't have insta back then y'all so we didn't know until we got there and saw how big it was but it was amazing i remember being so excited to just read and read and read and read and it was a great story definitely did not let me down what about you
1: this is actually probably my favorite of the series it's by far like so great everything about it i remember reading it for the first time and finishing it and wishing i could erase everything in my memory and just do it again and i have to say when i do go back and reread there are so- Certain times I just jump straight to like four through seven and skip one through three. So yeah, I I love this book. It's always for and forever a rave for me, no matter what. Honestly, one and two
0: kind of blend together for me anyway. I always forget like which one <laughs> goes where because I feel like the plots are so similar. Azkaban was really the first one that is distinct, at least in my my brain. Uh, but I have to know, did you wait in line at Barnes and Nobles for this to come out at midnight
1: back in two thousand? No, uh, Gail didn't stay up late. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) Um, gail was not staying up late to take me to the bookstore she had to get up at four in the morning and get all three children ready for school so she just bought it for me the next day probably at the grocery store to be honest and handed it to me which was good enough for me that's
0: totally fair (laughs) you got it right yes this was the first one so i started reading harry potter i want to say the third one had just come out and I wasn't into it before that. I don't know why I was being really snobby. I didn't want to read about another boy (laughs) in a book. So I was being really snobby, but uh, the guy my mom was dating at the time bought me the first three and obviously tried to make a good impression and I got sucked in. So this was the first one that I waited in line for, waited with one of my best childhood friends. Her parents made a whole event out of it. I remember we had like our chai lattes and thought we were so fancy waiting for midnight to come around. But it was good times. I waited up at midnight every book released from the fourth one on.
1: That's adorable. That's so sweet that <laughs> they made it like a whole thing. Mm-hmm. I love that. It was very cute. It was a lot of fun. A lot of people in costumes too. So so we both were obsessed with this one when we read it. Do you still feel the same way upon reading it again now?
0: I do. I feel like when we were reading or rereading uh, Prisoner of Azkaban back in 2020. And then again, when we did this podcast, the, the last podcast episode. I had very strong feelings about Sirius that I did not have when I was younger, obviously. I think this one holds a little bit truer. I've picked up on more details rereading this book this time around just as an adult than I ever did as a kid. I know we were chit-chatting about it a little bit this week, just some of the random things. I was like, do you remember that happening? And I think because of the fact that some of these little details didn't make it into the movie too, you just forget that it actually was a thing. But I think this one definitely still holds up for me.
1: Yeah, this one is still my favorite. When we were covering this one I saw on the schedule, I got so excited because I was like, this one I'm happy to reread and to rewatch. I love it from start to finish. I still get the same feelings now since my feelings have changed on certain characters as I've gotten older, some bad, some good. But we'll get into that later. It aged very well. I agree. This book always felt, I don't want to say adult, but it did always feel a little bit more adult to
0: me, Um, even as a kid reading it and even as a person in my 30s reading it again. I just feel like the first three have a very childlike tone to them. And starting with this book, it just really shifted. And I know everybody jokes about the movies, too, because this is where it starts getting the WB, the Warner Brothers, it gets darker and darker and darker until it's like pitch black. But I really love this whole sprint this book on. So one interesting thing that I picked up on this time around was that this was actually the first book that didn't start at the Dursleys. It actually opened at the Riddle House. Why do you think that is?
1: I think there's a couple different reasons. I think the first reason is we were probably expecting it because it's always been started at the Dursleys. So she kind of shook us out of the normal routine. And I think because this is the first book that starts getting darker and creepier, we're getting a little bit more backstory. And since Voldemort is full and in color, it's kind of a foreshadowing of him coming back because we're getting his backstory and learning more about him. And I think he. becoming a fully formed character in this book more than he has been in the last books. What about you?
0: I definitely agree because the the past few books, he wasn't really even in the last book, but the first couple and he's just always this like haunting presence, but he's never become something that is a physical enemy. At this point, it's always just hearsay and legend and lore. So it was interesting starting to dive more into Voldemort's story and starting to get a little bit More insight of what was going on over in his camp, um, and watching his followers starting to come back to him. Um, Obviously, in the beginning, it's literally just him and Wormtail. But as this book goes on, it uh, obviously escalates uh,
1: pretty drastically. Yeah, everything kind of altered in this book, and as the first chunk of it was super dark. Like we had a shiny moment at the Quidditch World Cup, and then of course the Death Eaters slash. KKK I feel like like mm-hmm. tumbled in Draco appeared in the woods which I guess I flew over again uh why do you think he was in there do you really think he was helping Hermione do you think that was like part of the fan fiction start between the two <laughs>
0: <laughs> Dramione or whatever it is I didn't remember that either. And I know this is part of what we were chit-chatting about this week. I did not remember Draco being in the woods when everybody was running from the Death Eaters. And I thought it was so interesting that he kept telling Harry and Ron, he's like, you know, you should probably get that filthy mudblood out of here before they find her. And obviously, he was being extremely insulting in the language that he chose to use. But a little piece of me is wondering if he was also trying to warn them. Because I think we see as the series go on, that Draco was obviously raised a certain way. But at the end of the day, he cannot pull the trigger to just be as evil as his parents or his dad rather. So I actually think he was kind of trying to help them in his own
1: Draco way. Maybe that's naive but I really feel like he was like get her the fuck out of here. Why are you still here? That's an interesting point. Like I would not have thought. I, my child self would not have thought about that but with all the Draco Hermione fan fiction maybe he did have a little crush on Hermione and that was his weird douchebaggery way of saying "Say." yourself. I love you. You never know. Little Romeo and
0: Juliet action in the woods. Mm-hmm. Well, obviously, once we finally make it to Hogwarts, uh, we had a lot of hubbub that was being whispered about at the World Cup, obviously prior to Death Eaters literally storming through the campground and all of the chaos that uh, occurred after. But once they finally made it to Hogwarts, we find out that they are hosting something called the Triwizard Tournament, <laughs> which wasn't something that we had encountered before. They make it very clear that those who are entering, I believe they had to be older than 17. And that was a very strict requirement, obviously, to ensure that there is safety so that you don't have dum-dums like dum-dum 11 or 12 year olds trying to participate in something that could potentially kill you. A lot of the initial drama comes because Harry's name mysteriously emerges from the Goblet of Fire. Despite Dumbledore having that age line, we all saw the Weasleys try and cross it and what happened to them. So we know it was not something that you could just easily um, mess with. Why do you think no one believed Harry when he said he didn't submit it himself, including his bestie Ron and Dumbledore, who literally had never doubted him ever before?
1: I think by that point, probably people were, were kind of getting like, "Oh my god, again!" I mean, this is the fourth year in the row that something is going on with Harry. To be fair, I mean, I know it's a book series, but I, I'm sure they just thought Harry pulled something off, and maybe they were starting to doubt him as wanting a little bit more attention than he got. I do remember in the book Dumbledore, he just asked him and Harry was like no, I didn't do it. And he was like, okay, just moved on. Whereas Ron took a little bit more time to get over it. But Ron was also a kid too and he wanted a little bit more. I think he was coming to the age where he wanted a little bit more recognition besides being the second fiddle to Harry as usual. I don't really blame him on that. I mean, it's it's gotta be hard to have Harry Potter as your best friend. And then being like one of like 45 children in the Weasley household <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) At the end of the day, when you think about it, Harry was
0: not Hermione, right? This is a spell cast by Dumbledore, who is one of the most powerful wizards in all the land, right? How the F is 14-year-old Harry Mother Trucking Potter going to best Dumbledore at that point in his life? He is just bumbling through life. Expelliarmus is like all he's got in his arsenal. For Ron to just continue on and just be so angsty and ridiculous about it, like Harry would have ever... Done something without telling him. I just thought was I know they were teenagers, I know we're full of angst and emotions and chaos at that at that time, but it just doesn't make any rational sense. If Harry was Hermione, I would definitely be calling like a spade a spade, being like, you totally figured out a way around this, but Harry, that was not his strong suit.
1: What Harry lacks in studying, he makes up and wrong and strong in it. He just wings it, it, and that is his magical power, in my opinion. In this book, we meet. The other two wizarding schools, Bo Baxton's and Durmstrang. Why she didn't bring Americas into it, but whatever. What did you think about the two schools? Did you like them? Did you like that spin she took in there? Were you surprised that there was another school? Yeah, I think this book did a lot. I think it was the first one
0: that really expanded what we knew of the universe. Because I feel like prior to this, it was like the Dursley's house, the Weasley's house, Hogwarts, Diagon Alley, Hogsmeade. We really did not know a lot about what was happening outside. But of all these wizards and witches that are floating around, they couldn't all go to Hogwarts, right? So it was cool starting to learn about what the universe looked like. You had to have those personalities like Dermstring. You needed that Russian-esque crazy vibe in there just for some of these, some of these different challenges they had. You also needed to start pulling in uh some of the ex-Death Eaters, which obviously the headmaster of Dermstring. And oh my god, Bo with the the Vila and the and like the fluttery dresses and the nonsense like you needed that juxtaposition because they are so polar opposite and Hogwarts is like the normal ones in the middle right <laughs> I did really enjoy seeing it I'm sad they took the Vila out in the movie because it was there was a reason that everybody was so obsessed with the girls um, from Bow Batten mm-hmm. because of the whole Vila-esque
1: situation and I think that would have been cool to see on screen. For the movie part I hated when the girls came in and did that weird like sigh and like started like (laughs) running on their toes but i do love that she brought in a different mix i was surprised as a kid when i first read this i was like there's other ones and then i remember thinking does america have one do we get one okay well continuing on
0: with this novel Um, Some other things I didn't really make it into the movie, which obviously we'll get into, is uh, Winky and Spew, um, which, you know, great name, Hermione. I think we could have been a little more creative uh, with that acronym, but, you know, I'll (laughs) let it go. She's 14, doing the best she can. I just kind of want to take a second, obviously... Everybody who's listening to this podcast knows that we do not support J.K. Rowling and her nonsense. We 100% support trans lives, that love is love, black lives matter, and all around, you just need to be a decent fucking human. But at any rate, I just want to discuss the irony of Spew, just juxtaposed with the nonsense of J.K. in real life. How can she show this level of concern through Hermione for house elves and be so ridiculous about acknowledging trans people, trans women, and just humans in real life. It doesn't make any sense to me.
1: Make it make sense, because as I like to say, the math ain't math in here for me. I don't know how to make that make sense. I don't know if it's because she's a little bit older, a different generation, because Daniel Radcliffe has been very open in saying, I do not effing agree with this. Emma Watson definitely Um, did as well. Good. I know Luna's character kind of was just like... She was supporting her, yeah. Yeah. Well, she she wants to be cast for whatever next movie jk does so she's just looking for her paycheck but I, I can't make it make sense i never
0: understood how you built a world that was so inclusive and so supportive of others and then in your real life you're like oh i support everyone except this like i cannot get i just cannot pull that together in my head like that's just what doesn't make sense to me um and it just seems so out of character for somebody who could build such a magical world and include found family and you know there are discussions of race in here when you when you're talking about the mudbloods and you know mixing and all of that and i felt that very personally so it just really frustrates me
1: um that that's who she is on a lighter note what do you think was the funniest part of the book was it the guys around the villa? Or Hagrid and his little potential boo thing thing, Madame Maxine.
0: There were so many silly moments in this book. I, I, that's, it's a hard toss up because the Vila situation and the men just I just remember that scene when they were even at the World Cup and the ref started just like parading and peacocking around acting ridiculous after they performed. I was like, sir, it in like, what is happening? But I really did enjoy the whole uh, Hagrid and Madame Maxim uh, situation. It was just so funny and so precious. I died when Hagrid was trying to ask her in the book about her family and which which of her parents is giant she got like so offended and I'm like "Ma'am, you are 20 feet tall it's pretty obvious <laughs> you're not hiding it you know it's not it's not a
1: secret what about you probably the part that actually made me chuckle again when I read it and I guess I did, I probably didn't even catch it which didn't make it in the movie was they were in the hospital ward after Harry had like almost died for the fourth time. And you hear Hermione smack the wall real hard and everybody looks at her and she's like, It's it's nothing. I'm fine. It's fine. And then she like runs out of the room and then you realize she had caught Rita Skeeter and put her in the little jar and then just take oh, this is her. I was like, Good for you, Hermione. It it just made me chuckle that everybody just turned and was like, What are you doing, Hermione? She's like, uh it's fine. It's fine. And of course I love anything Hagrid does when he puts on cologne and his little hair is done. He, his hair and in the movie, he, he had his little poof going. It was so for the times. I was like, oh, hey, Grady, sweet little baby angel. Well, let's discuss, obviously, there were, there were a lot of
0: things going on in this novel, I will say. So I can't even say let's discuss the biggest part of the novel, but let's discuss the tribe wizard tourney. What did you think about the challenges? Did you
1: have a favorite? Were you expecting something more? I enjoyed these tournaments uh, and I thought they were more death defined than I thought the ones in... Sarah J Moss were this this is the kind of thing I was looking for out of what was going on I guess the slug is kind of like the dragon thing I guess maybe at least nobody had to roll around in fecal matter so that's always a plus but I think for a kid's book that isn't really a kid's book I think it was great I would have loved to have been a bystander in the stands watching everything and going down except for when sadly enough Edward Cullen died so did I have a favorite watching it i probably Probably liked the second one with the mer people, but if I was an onlooker in the stands, you can't you can't see anything the whole time everything's underwater. What about you?
0: I know I was like, where are the big screens for the mer people so we can see what's happening underwater, like Hunger Games style? What's going on? We should be able to see everything. You're wizards, you know? Yeah, I for being wizards, your technology sucks. <laughs> like, doesn't come make on any guys. sense. They should already had iPhones and all kinds of stuff going on. Uh, for me, I did really enjoy all of these um, different challenges obviously the last challenge uh, didn't really end the way it should have so that one is automatically out um, I did really enjoy the dragons but and of course yeah the underwater uh, situation I did enjoy but I was so freaked out by the fact that they were kidnapping people and they were just hanging out underwater I think what was the most fun for me was just watching Harry like bumble his way through like figuring out how these challenges and the ways that people were trying to help him. I always thought that was interesting, just the ways and where he was getting help from and how it was being presented to him. But yeah, I I did enjoy all three of these.
1: So one of the bigger characters that's introduced in this book is Mad-Eye Moody. Obviously, we see what happens with him. He's an ex-Aurora, total badass, put 50% of the Death Eater's in Azkaban did you expect him to be bad your first read versus your newest read did you catch any clues along the way or did you just think he was just a crazy old PTSD dude I think most of us just thought he was batshit crazy just because of
0: everything he had been through Uh, obviously his teaching methods were extremely eccentric but I think it was just very on brand for the description of what we were given so I, I honestly was not suspicious of Mad-Eye in the beginning, obviously, as we start working our way through to the end, it starts getting very uh, apparent and a little freaky. But no, in the beginning, I just thought he was just this crazy old man. I was like, what is happening here? Yeah, no, I definitely did not know he was going to end up being what he was, or that the real Mad-Eye was trapped in a trunk somewhere. <laughs> what about
1: you? Mad-Eye is one of, is a character I actually really, really liked. The way she built him out, the way she described him. I thought he was so interesting as a person. He wasn't your typical beautiful scarred man. He was a mess and he looked like a mess and he acted like a mess. I definitely thought he had PTSD for sure after all of what he did. And when I first read it, I never thought anything of it. Of course, I'm just like riding along, just hoping everybody's working out for a happy ending. But when I reread it older, I could definitely see how he was maneuvering everything to make it so easy for Harry to end up with Voldy. So if you know what you're looking for, you can definitely see the signs. But if you it's your first read, just go along for the ride.
0: My biggest question out of all this, though, is why and how did he fly under the professor's radar for so long? A, I'm like, yeah, okay, he's constantly drinking out of a flask, and I know polyjuice is different for everyone, but, like, could no one catch on? Like, these professors are not stupid. Like, Snape is obviously on the hunt for who is taking his different ingredients and things like that, and, like, nobody put it together. These
1: are supposed to be some of the smartest and brightest wizards and witches. How did he fly under the radar for so long? Literally. I'm going to blame Dumbledore. He is the best wizard of his age. Snape, I'll give a pass because he was probably really trying to avoid him considering he was a dead ex-Death Eater himself. So he was like, let me just moonwalk my way out of here. McGonagall, I feel like, was just so busy always running the actual school since Dumbledore wasn't. Personally, we'll always blame Dumbledore on that.
0: As the books go on and they start talking about parents ripping their kids out of school and like asking the ministry to close down Hogwarts or fire Dumbledore See why? I mean, every year for like seven years, absolute chaos and mayhem broke out on school grounds that were supposed to be impenetrable and like the safest place you could possibly be. (laughs) And this is one of the biggest. You literally had a former Death Eater impersonating a professor and not one of you caught on. And of course, Dumbledore was like, it's fine, it's just Mad-Eye. He's eccentric, he's a little crazier than normal. Everything is fine, just let it go. And of course, all the professors are gonna be like well if Dumbledore says so I mean I guess that's fine but and like you said McGonagall probably would have been the one who caught on but she was she's
1: busy she's literally doing the damn thing that nobody else is doing no one else i know minerva like i have to run the school because literally no one is helping me (laughs) dumbledore isn't saving anything it's a 12 year old child and his bffs who are saving the day so dumbledore has all this nonsense happening and he's not rectifying anything he is just their pr guy who's in the background like it's cool it's fine it's handled big reveal biggest reveal is moldy voldy comes back live and in black and white color it is truly a showdown for the books How did you feel about the scene when he came back when he makes Wormtail cut off his hand and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? How do you feel about it?
0: I mean, I remember reading that for the first time and I was terrified because obviously you're in this game that was already kind of freaky. You see Harry and Cedric, aka Edward Cullen, like bolting for the, you know, the trophy so that they can both take the win home. And then you end up in this creepy ass graveyard where nobody knows where you are and then all of a sudden literally the worst possible thing that could happen happens. A, they kill Cedric. B, like you said, we're literally cutting off limbs and there's blood and toil and trouble all of a sudden Harry's mother's magic is just gone and Voldy can literally touch him. And I'm like there is no way this boy is getting out of here alive. Like there is no shot he's getting out of this. How did he I still don't 100% know how he got out of this. Like I know how he got out of it, but it's wild that he did. Like this series should have ended at 4. Um like I said, that's where shit really got real. And I think we were all like, wow, this series is going to go a very different direction than I initially anticipated. Because I think I thought it was going to be like a children's big bad. And it became just like a scary big bad, big bad.
1: I think it was genius. I think everything about it was shocking. We get our first real death, we get our first glimpse of the villain who's not just a villain for Harry, but a villain for all wizarding world and the whole world because he taken muggles out too. the only thing i i kind of got annoyed with when i reread it as an adult was when the spell came for three things bone of your father hand of a servant and blood of an enemy and i thought this is the easiest spell to bring yourself back to a human form like this is bullshit how easy was that for him he just his dad was dead. Okay, take a bone, throw it in. He just made a quick soup with a hand a bone and some like sprinkle of blood. And I thought that was such a cop out on JK's. Part. Why is this not harder? I feel like this should be more intricate. There should be more moving parts to this. But circling back, I went off on a tangent. I think you're right in the sense of this is where we saw that it's not going to be kids stuff. This is about to get real. And that was traumatic. Like Cedric actually dying in this
0: book. The end of this book is just like mouth drop after mouth drop it's like Jillian flunesque right it's just like one thing after the Mm -hmm. other is going on so after Harry manages to make it back with Cedric's body with the help of the spirits that came out of the wands not only do we have to deal with the fact that there was a death um, but then we also have a big reveal where we find out that Mad-Eye is actually Barty Crouch Jr. How did you feel about
1: this like reveal on reveal on reveal? Well when I was a kid and I first read it I did a full gasp like oh I never and then when I read it again, I realized they never once mention Junior's name through the whole thing. They don't even say his name when they're talking about him. They're like his son. I was definitely shocked. I thought it was genius on JK's part because as kids, we were like, this is amazing. And I also loved the casting of him. But what about you? When you did the whole gas thing, I don't know why, but I got like
0: major Harriet the Spy vibes.
1: <laughs> Michelle Trachtenberg. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But true. Truly, this was probably one of the most scandalous things, other than like V.C. Andrews and Goose and shit, that I had read, and I was just so shocked because the series had not been like this. This book was a gigantic flaming curveball. It was like we just escaped Voldemort. We just saw Cedric die. And then you come back and you think Harry's safe. And then Mad-Eye Moody starts acting sus as hell. And you're like, what is going on? And then you find out that it's not even him. And it's just literally like thing on thing on thing. And I was like, okay, I, I can't. What else is going on? Because I can't take anymore. Like I was stressed
1: <laughs> reading this. Just think about it. Harry's only 14. Minutes. I know. <laughs> Do you know what I was doing at 14? <laughs> <laughs> Trying to figure out my period yeah (laughs) definitely not this yeah I was not saving the world y'all I was trying to brush my hair without making it look like Hermione's which is what it didn't look like at the time so at the end because he technically quote-unquote won the triwizard tournament he does get is I think a thousand galleons and sadly enough it's like basically blood money because poor Cedric is dead and Harry like the sweet little baby angel he is tries to give it away to literally everyone and anyone he ends up getting Giving it to Fred and George. Why do you think he picked them? I mean, you said it. It, For Harry, it was blood money. And after the
0: trauma of literally seeing Cedric die in front of him, also feeling like it was his fault that Cedric died because obviously he was the one they were trying to get. um, He just wanted no part of it. And I think he was trying to find a way in his little heart of hearts to do some good with it. And typically the Weasleys obviously are very proud and would not accept help. Fred and George were desperate (laughs) for some money for their joke shop so I don't think Fred and George really cared where it was coming from as long as they finally got it. And I think, you know, funding something that was going to bring happiness and smiles to people um, out of something that was so chaotic, I think that was probably the best, the best place this could have, could have been spent. While the final chapter of the Goblet of Fire is titled The Beginning, why do you think that is?
1: What is beginning and what has ended? Sadly enough, I feel like their childhood has ended at this point. I mean, being 14 and not being a kid anymore, because you're going to have to fight somebody who's trying to kill literally everyone. I would say that. I would say their childhood, their innocence. What about you?
0: Well, I mean, we all know Cedric didn't actually die. He just became Edward Cullen and then moved to, you know the Pacific Northwest. But yeah, I, I agree. I mean, this was the beginning of the end. Like, this was the beginning of a series of events that were gonna end in either Voldemort or Harry dying. This was the end of their innocence as children. Like you said, this was the end of, I think, our innocence with where we thought Harry Potter was what was gonna be. And it was also the end of this Wizarding World assumption that everything was gonna be fine, that Voldemort was gone, and that everything was gonna be like sunshine and rainbows whether or not they wanted to believe it (laughs) cornelius fudge voldemort was back and we see the effects of them not believing that obviously over the over the next few books bitch is back
1: can i tell you how much i hate fudge he's such trash i am so not a fan of him nope I agree. Well, let's shift it on to the movie. Kat is doing a little dance hall dance over here, (laughs) but moving
0: into the movie. (laughs) Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire was released in 2005 and was actually the number one movie in North America for about three weeks. It also brought us Edward Cullen, aka Robert Pattinson as Cedric Diggory, Ralph Fiennes as good old Moldy Voldy, and David Tennant as Barty Jr. I also would like to note that they initially Approached M. Knight Shimanemaneman to direct the film, but he was more interested in doing a film adaptation of Life of Pi, so did not grace us with his crazy uh, for Goblet of Fire.
1: Can I just tell you how happy I am that did not happen? I would have been very upset if that was an actual thing. I no. Also, he didn't even do Life of Pie. <laughs> I, I know. Even more ironic.
0: Um, also, a little fun fact that came out today, the day that we are recording, not the day it was. this will be released, but uh, HBO officially announced the Harry Potter series. There's a little teaser trailer, which is really nothing. It's like a bunch of candles. And so we'll see where that goes. Can't wait to see the uh, casting choices. I'm excited to see who's going to pop in or not pop in. I'm hoping for some cameos. I just want to say HBO needs to call Call me on casting oh, before no, no. they do They're anything. They're just Max now. It's not HBO. It's just Max, by the way. Okay.
1: <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> the show are formally known as HBO (laughs) Max (laughs) Max used to call me before this casting happens because I will be very critical you know what kick JK off put me and Ashley on (laughs) I I am going to be highly critical of McGonagall Snape and Hagrid I don't care about anybody else those are my three no I agree those are gonna be the hardest for sure yeah, those are my three. And honestly, I think Maggie Smith could come back. and do I would not be mad at that. I'm like, let's let's do this again.
0: Let's do it again. Let's keep let's keep on going. Keep on trucking, Maggie. Maggie. You already know. You yeah. already know. Oh, I love let's her. Mm. OK, well, getting into the actual movie, what were your thoughts on the overall adaption? Was this a rage or a rave for you?
1: This was a rave for me. I loved this movie. Again, this is probably top two movies this one and the last last one but this one i loved i loved everything about it i thought ralph fines as voldy was perfection great brandon gleason as mad eye moody Awesome. That dude's always been 100 years old, just like Maggie Smith. Love it. Love it. I don't have any rages. There were a lot of things they didn't put in the movie that I wish they would have put in. But I understand that they didn't want to make them six hours, even though we would have all watched the six hours. None of us would have said no. But I love this movie. And even rewatching it. This is again, one of the ones I will rewatch over and over again. What about you?
0: I agree. Like why does The Hobbit get a 200 year movie? And we don't get that for Harry Potter because we all would have sat there there. I sat there for freaking Lord of the Rings. I would have sure sat there for Harry Potter, but maybe we will now get to see all the things in the new TV series whenever that drops. So, I'm sure it's going to be a couple of years, but we'll see. Uh
1: we did intermissions for Gone with the Wind and Titanic. Correct. I would have sat through an intermission for mm-hmm. every single yeah. Harry Potter. I just want to throw totally that.
0: Totally fine there. with that. I think
1: we should bring back
0: intermission. I think my favorite part of this and well, actually I have two. The first one is the most iconic one, which is just Snape and his mannerisms with Harry and Ron when they're sitting at that table and he's just like fixing his sleeves to just like go at them. I mean, that's iconic. You know, it's coming or we wait for it. It's literally <laughs> one of the best parts other than Hagrid's snooky poof. But I also really did enjoy moaning Myrtle in the tub with Harry. It kills me every single time when she's like, Like it's so funny. I love it. I just, I love that scene. It's it's so good. And honestly, the movie needs those like lighthearted moments Moments because there is so much darkness in this one. So,
1: this is sounds terrible, but I remember watching the movie in the theaters. Everybody in this movie, you like all the adults, are, you know, well known actors. I mean, they're amazing. But the end with Amos Diggory, when he realizes Cedric's dead, the way he reacts, I really hope it was ad libbed. Because besides John Q, outside of that movie, when uh, Denzel says that line, that like great line, I have never seen a father that I feel like really so raw and that's exactly what he would be like in real life if that was his son when he comes down he's like my boy and he's sobbing I remember sitting in theaters and being gutted because I was like oh my god he wasn't even that big of a character in this movie and I still to this day every time I see that scene I get so choked up and I'm in tears because it's just such great acting my favorite part as like funny part you know no, I just love when Hagrid gets all dressed up I just think he is just the cutest little thing I love when he looks at Madam Maxine and he gets so nervous he stabs Flitwick with a little fork I love him <laughs> I know we've said that there aren't a lot of rages in this book but what is something
0: that maybe they left out or something that you could consider to be on the road to a
1: rage I would have liked the house elf in there I thought that was a big storyline that kind of continued throughout the seasons that they left out that and the a Skeeter getting her ass handed to her. I would have enjoyed that. I wanted to see my moment where Hermione slapped the wall and kept her in a little jar because that lady was a huge hoe and I would have liked to seen those two things. What about you? I agree because Hermione
0: was, I don't feel like Hermione was really shown well in this movie. Like she didn't have a big part in it and she was doing a lot more in the book as always uh, than they really showed here. So I don't think the movie really did her character justice. So I guess that's kind of a rage for me is uh, they took out all of that with Rita Skeeter. So you didn't really get to see all of what Hermione was doing in the background. But like you said, removing Spew which you know winky and dobby and the house elves it's a recurring theme throughout all of the rest of the novels so removing that piece of it you know you're kind of affecting the rest of the movies as well and just like some of the the key themes that are pulled through for the villa i would have really just liked to see that hopefully we'll get a darker tv show and uh we can see all the things and all the characters and the world can just expand a bit more because they they got time and the
1: effects are better oh my god i'm expecting better. better effects for the mer people, oh, centaur. Yes. I'm going to need them to get on board with that. Even freaking Sirius's dog was a haha mess. Mm-hmm. Werewolves. We'll we will be cast.
0: We we'll extras, for <laughs> sure.
1: Yeah. They'll be like, you guys look a little too old. Or, I'll be a random professor. Like, let me in this bitch. So <laughs> let me in. I want to be Trelawney. You wouldn't oh even recognize God. me. Okay. So did you feel that the movie did justice to the darker tone of the book overall?
0: I do. Do think they did. But I think, again, they had to walk a fine line of what the third movie was, where the actors were in their life. And then they had to cram a lot of material into one movie. So I think they did the best that they could. I do think they did a very good job in the end. Voldemort is... I mean, the fact that he doesn't have a nose is terrifying. But just in general... He is scary. Like that graveyard scene was definitely disturbing. And you go from this like, you know, super hype, like everybody's cheering in the stands to just this like dark ass maze, right? And so it just starts setting the tone and things just start going downhill from there. So I think they did a good job in those few minutes of really starting to set that tone of like, uh-oh, like some shit's about to go down. I don't think the movie over- overall was like really deep and dark, but it definitely escalated into that point, which obviously led us into the the next film. But what about you? What do you think?
1: I agree. I don't think it got darker until the end of the movie, which is kind of how the book was. Like, it didn't get real creepy until the last big, like you said, the maze uh, when Crumb came out and he was under the imperious curse and he started yeah, that was creepy, taking people off. Yeah, hide. that they did a really good job on that part. The movie did very well following the book in that aspect. I do wish a little bit more things would have come up. I think the Mur people could have been scarier, but I guess that was the 2000 effects and that's what we were living with in that day so you know as soon as he gets to that graveyard said it's it's, fold he's like kill the spare i was like damn that was fast he didn't even have a chance nope also can i take a random side note to talk about how useless
0: all way. laura was in this entire like entire book and movie the movie was probably worse, but she was so useless. And so I hope that in this series that will be coming, they make her character a little bit more deserving of the fact that she was the champion for her school. Mind you, the school was also co-ed. They made it that Durmstrang was all boys and Bo-whatever <laughs> was all... bo Buttons. bo Buttons was <laughs> all girls. I'm like, if you're coming out of a whole school of Vila... You you have to have a little something going on if you're listening because i know you are max i need her to be a wee bit more badass uh because this was not it for me
1: i did actually look up what avila was it's mm-hmm. like some kind of bird and some kind of mm-hmm. russian mythology kind of thing and i fell down this rabbit hole and they said they were like in the family of banshees and i was like if they're in the family of banshees exactly what was happening here this was what happened not it i guess there was a little bit of a rage in there so <laughs> Yeah,
0: I mean, that's a good run. Was there anything that you felt the movie did better
1: than the book? I can't ever say that they don't do a great job bringing the book to life in in this series. I think that's why these movies have stood the test of time, because... When you read the books, this is what you see. They did such a great, great job. Attention to detail, minus the effects part. I mean, they did what they could with the, what they had. It just was so great that when I saw the Tri-Wizard Cup, it was huge. It was massive. I was like, that is exactly it. Bringing it to life. I can't ever be upset and say there's anything that they left out outside of storylines, in my opinion. What about you?
0: Yeah, I, I 100% agree. And we've obviously seen the sets in person literally live and in color like ran our asses through the forbidden forest because there were giant spiders like we lived the whole life so no I mean those sets are intense and gorgeous and obviously it reflects on you know well on screen I don't think it was necessarily anything that they were doing better or worse at least in this movie I think it was really just little things that they took out that I did want to see like the fact that the end was when we were in the maze it, there was a lot more going on than they really showed you like they cut out the sphinx and like 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 all those questions. And, you know, there was just a lot more happening, but obviously they
1: only had so much time. But again, we would have all sat there. How they knocked all this stuff out in like a year and a half every time was amazing. It, it was great i want to know who i hope all those people have jobs for the rest of their lives because they definitely did the damn work yeah i hope
0: they all get to come back and work on a series i hope they use all those sets because i mean they have them like let's repurpose and upcycle and reuse right let's be economically not economically <laughs> environmentally friendly when we're doing this series uh you, you did all the hard work and put all the money into it so let's uh let's use it ladies and gentlemen <laughs>
1: Well, all in all, this still stands the test of time. My favorite book in the series. I will love it always and forever, even if I do not agree with JK and her nonsense, which I hope one day she sees the light and gets it together.
0: I'm just singing. I love you always forever near and far uh, yes I do agree excited to see what they do in the series obviously still trucking on through these these movies they are iconic and they always will be I love that we get to laugh about all the shaggy haircuts and the horrible hair and just I, oh truly my God. I mean Harry's was by far the worst I still don't know what they were doing poor Daniel Radcliffe like he just had an absolute mob on his head like I don't know what was happening <laughs> but all right well we want to hear from you what did you think of this book and movie adaption email us at hello at pageragepodcast.com or dm us on insta at pagerage underscore podcast and of course please subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast network